Well, it's true that Paul was a great apostle, a great soul winner, but he was also a great friend maker. Paul was in the people business, and that's what ministry and life is really all about. It's about people, and people can be complicated, and people can be difficult, but the Lord so loved the world of people that he gave his son, and we get the privilege of partnering with people in the greatest cause of all, the gospel. Today, we'll explore that in Colossians 4 on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Back to Colossians chapter 4. So you have Onesimus. Maybe you can relate to him. Maybe you've run away from the things of God. Maybe you are experiencing you know, some of that fallout. There's a way back. If there's a way back for Onesimus, there's a way back for you. Look at verse 10. Colossians 4. The third person mentioned here is Aristarchus. My fellow prisoner sends you his greetings. Aristarchus is a Jewish believer, though like many Jews in the dispersion, he had a Greek name. He was a native of Thessalonica, according to Acts 20, verse 4, and uh, you can also see 27.2 of the book of Acts. He was with Paul on the voyage to Rome. That means Aristarchus went through the storm and the shipwreck that Luke graphically describes in Acts 27. In fact, he became a voluntary prisoner with Paul when Paul was under some form of house arrest in Rome. Aristarchus went into the house arrest with him. Scholars say that he wasn't an official uh, prisoner of Rome, but he decided to partner with Paul in Rome in the imprisonment. Here's how it would work in Rome. You didn't get three squares and a cot and a television in jail. If you went into Roman imprisonment, your friends or family fed you or you died. There were no three square meals and a cot and that kind of thing. Your friends showed up, they gave you food, water, and a cloak or you died in prison. So Aristarchus said, I'm gonna join Paul in prison, be able to come and go and provide for his needs. He was a voluntary prisoner uh, for the sake of the Apostle Paul. Some of you have done incredible things like that. You've entered, in, entered into somebody's pain. You've, uh, you've taken some steps of faith to be that kind of person, and that is the love of Christ. Christ says, I was in, I was in prison, and you came to me. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was naked, and you clothed me. And the righteous will say, when did I do this? When did I see you naked or come to you when you were in prison? And Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. That is what ministry is about. The fourth person in verse 10 of Colossians 4 is Mark. Also Barnabas' cousin, Mark, about whom you received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. Now you all know that John Mark was on one of the early missionary voyages of the Apostle Paul. And he was there with Barnabas, his cousin. And John Mark, at some point, turned tail. He left the work because of fear or whatever. He decided he couldn't hang in there, and he bailed on the missionary team. When they were going to go back out again, Barnabas wanted to bring Mark, but Paul said no. He bailed on us, and I don't want to take him. And they had such a sharp disagreement. This is recorded in the book of Acts that they divided from one another. And Barnabas took Mark, and Paul took Silas with him, and they divided over this young man named John Mark. And he had bailed on the work. And 
You know, I think some of you can relate to this. There's a lot of this that goes on where, you know, somebody starts out well, they have a call to ministry, maybe they even get ordained as a pastor, and then they bail on the work. It gets too hard. It's too difficult. Uh, you know, there's missionaries that you don't hear these stories, but they leave the mission field and they couldn't handle it. And it was difficult and it was more than they could bear. And there was spiritual warfare that was really heavy. And then you come back and you feel like you have your tail between your legs. And you're like, can I even be usable again? Is there anything good that God can do with my life now that I signed up and then I bailed on the work? But Mark is a man who got a second chance. In fact, Paul says in 2 Timothy 4.11, he says, pick up Mark and bring him with you for, he's, for he is useful to me for service. And by this account, we know that Mark is back in good graces. As Paul says, welcome him. He's the man who got a second chance. In fact, he's only one of four men in the history of the human race that was able to write a gospel about Jesus Christ. You want to talk about redemption, folks? That's redemption because God is a God of grace. So if you bailed on the ministry or you left something that you had made a commitment to, there's always hope for a second chance. Maybe you can relate to Mark. Look at verse 11. The next man is Jesus, who is uh, the Greek form of Joshua, popular name in the first century, by the way, who is also called Justice. These are, only, these are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, that is Jewish, and they are Jesus, who's called Justice, Mark, and Aristarchus. And they have proved to be an encouragement to me, says Paul. I want you to think about how many times Paul went into a city. He started with the Jewish synagogue. He began to preach from the Old Testament scrolls. And his countrymen tried to stone him, kill him, kick him out of town, tell him he was nuts. They did not want to hear the gospel. Rejection is a hard thing, isn't it? Uh, we do a Bible study at Farmer Boys, and we're often 15, 20 guys in the middle of Farmer Boys. So if you come into Farmer Boys for breakfast Thursdays at around 9 a.m., you're going to hear a Bible study because it just happens. We're there, and the owner's okay with it. So we're in the middle of the restaurant, and oftentimes people will listen in. You can tell they're kind of listening. And, and some people will come over and put a hand on my shoulder and say, man, it's awesome that you guys are here praying for you, or I listened in today. Praise the Lord. And then... There's some people, you know, sometimes I have an eye on somebody and the Lord's like, go over and talk to that person. And I'll have, I'll have a card to the church and I, I put a card down in front of this guy and I said, hey, I'm Pastor Michael from this church. This is a men's Bible study. Love to invite you. And he goes, no, I don't want that. I said, you, you don't want an invitation to the church? And he went, <laughs> no, I don't want that. I kind of overdid the laugh a little bit, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and I was like, you know, we're human, right? Rejection can be a hard thing. But then the Lord reminded me, he's not rejecting you. He's rejecting me. I was at a city council meeting where we were fighting for, some of you will remember, in God we trust to be in the chamber. And there was a very vocal gentleman there, and I'm praying for him. And I, and I told him that I loved him, and I, and I pray that he would come to Christ. But he's very vocal. And so it was a long day and a long meeting and the thing got passed and I was walking out the door and this guy confronted me at the door and said, I got a bone to pick with you, Pastor Michael. And I went, oh. He goes, I don't like what's on your website and I don't like what you say about these people and I don't like this and I don't like that. And I said, we're not gonna do this here and now. 
And so I just moved on. But I, but I thought about it later, and you guys can relate to this. My response should have been, you don't have a bone to pick with me. I think you're angry at God. And, you know, sometimes when you step out in ministry and you identify yourself with Christ, there's going to be a little bit of heat. Jesus said, if they rejected me, do you think that everybody's going to receive you? Do you think a servant is greater than his master? I don't think so. So some of us have to be prepared that sometimes we're going to get an angry response to the gospel, but sometimes an angry response can be positive. You know why? You've heard Greg Laurie say it before, I think. If you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that barks the loudest is usually the one that got hit. <laughs> so, so sometimes people bark at you. They get angry at you, but maybe something's stirring in them. Maybe God's doing a work. Sometimes a person will receive the card from you. Yeah, thanks for that, but they don't have any intention of coming. But someone who's mad, maybe that's a positive sign. Maybe they're closer than the person who just took the card. And so... You leave, you pray for them, and you never know what might happen. The sixth person in this list is Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness, says Paul, that he has deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Herapolis. Now, if you recall the introduction to the book, Epaphras is the founder and probably the current pastor of the church at Colossae. And Epaphras was so concerned about the false teaching that was happening in Colossae that he took probably a 1,300-mile journey without a scooter, without a bicycle, without a motor car, uh, no modern transportation, made his way to Rome to tell Paul about the false teaching in Colossae and to get answers and to get a letter back to the church to protect the flock. You want to talk about commitment, folks? Some people won't even travel two miles to do something for Christ anymore. This guy hoofed it for 1,300 miles to get help from the Apostle Paul to protect the congregation that he loved from false teaching. And false teaching, by the way, does matter, as we'll talk about tonight. And Epaphras was laboring for them in prayer. He was a long way from home, but he was still battling in prayer. The language here of the Greek means to fight in prayer. One of the pieces of armor often ignored in the armor of God is prayer. It's the seventh piece of armor. It's what really holds it all together. And so he wrestled in prayer, just like Jesus wrestled in prayer in Gethsemane. And he was praying that they would be mature and complete. This is the heart of a pastor. Phillips Brooks comments, to be a true minister to men is always to accept new happiness and new distress. The man who gives himself to other men can never be wholly a sad man, but no more can he be a man of unclouded gladness. To him shall come with every deeper consecration, a before untasted joy, but in the same cup shall be mixed a sorrow that was beyond his power to feel before. You know, sometimes when you are in the ministry and you are in the trenches with people, and I know a lot of you experience this, you go to visit somebody sick, you rally around them, but it, sometimes it's not easy to be in the trenches. It's not easy to love well. You can shelter yourself from much of the problems and the pain of this world, or you can enter into our pain, enter into other people's pain. That's what Jesus did. He entered into our pain. 
he became what? One of us. That's what it means to become more like Christ. But when you do... You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first... Time can really get away from you. The day-to-day hustle can sometimes leave little time for the more important things in life, like Bible study. Remember that Pastor Michael's teachings can be heard at any time, day or night, on walkintruth.com. You don't have to worry that you have to get out of the car right now, because today's teaching is already online, ready for you to listen when it's most convenient for you. Visit walkintruth.com today to hear all of Pastor Michael Lance's teachings to date. That's walkintruth.com. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Sometimes it's not easy to be in the trenches. It's not easy to love well. You can shelter yourself from much of the problems and the pain of this world, or you can enter into our pain, enter into other people's pain. That's what Jesus did. He entered into our pain. He became what? One of us. That's what it means to become more like Christ. But when you do, when you wrestle for others in prayer, when you enter into people's highest joys and deepest sorrows, It can be hard, and that's where you need the power of Christ. The seventh person in our list is Luke. He's the beloved physician. He sends you his greetings and also does Demas. I know we have some doctors in the congregation, and Luke met Paul, uh, was probably converted under Paul's ministry, and Luke became a traveling companion of Paul. He wrote the book of Acts and the Gospel of Luke, of course, His Greek is phenomenal, some of the highest form of Greek that we see in the New Testament, very educated man, and he became Paul's traveling doctor, and Paul apparently needed a doctor everywhere he went, amen? He had runny eyes, he had people trying to kill him everywhere. Uh, Some of the tradition tells us he had bow legs, that's two torn ACLs, just to put it in modern language, no, just kidding, but he was bow leg, he had problems, He he needed a doctor, and Luke was with him, and they became good friends and Luke became effective in the ministry. You, could, you might be a construction worker, a teacher, a doctor. You might be a stay-at-home mom. You might run a company. You might be in sales. Whatever you do, let me say this. We need you to be a Christian where you are. Amen? You have a mission field where you are. Don't ignore it. Pray strategically that God will use you. Find other Christians who are there. And pray about coworkers who don't know the Lord. Start a Bible study at work. Do something to make a difference. He sends you greetings, and then so does Demas. Very little mention about Demas because Demas went south. Everybody turn to 2 Timothy for a second, a little bit to your right. Paul's last correspondence as he writes 2 Timothy chapter 4, written correspondence here that we have, and he writes this about Demas. 2 Timothy 4, verse 9. He says, make every effort to come to me soon for Demas, 2 Timothy 4.10, and it may be that Paul writes little about Demas because he saw this coming. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Now, there are people who go into the ministry and they make a commitment and they say they're going to do something and then they desert it. They bail. In fact, There are alarming statistics coming forth today about pastors who are leaving the ministry in droves. Some of them, if you met them on the street today, you would wonder if they were even a Christian. 
We've had moral failures of pastors. We've had pastors leave because of pressure. I remember just recently, I've spoken to a few pastors who they uh, were in a church and someone came in and they had some sort of hobby horse doctrine and they started, you know, spreading it in a home Bible study and started bad-mouthing the pastor. Some of these pastors wanted to quit. They wanted to give up because it's hard when you get bad-mouthed and then a group of people leave with this individual and all of a sudden, you know, you're doing everything wrong because this individual is backbiting you. This is the enemy, folks. This is how he works. And sometimes pastors don't even have anybody to talk to. They're pastoring a church of 75 people and there's, you know, no other pastoral support. They're doing it all alone. I've talked to some of them and tried to encourage them. Let me just say this to you. It's always too soon to quit. The devil's greatest temptation in your spiritual life as a Christian, as a disciple of Christ, and as someone who wants to seriously minister is the devil will pound on you to quit. You must recognize it as part of the spiritual battle. He will tell you, ah, don't bother being a Christian anymore. Ah, you don't need to be in that ministry anymore. That's the temptation, I believe, that Christ faced in Gethsemane. That when he said, Father, if it's possible, let this cup, what? Pass from me. He didn't want to deal with the cross. He, he wanted another way, and you can understand that. I was at a Preach the Word conference back in the 90s on a panel talking about some big guns was Chuck Smith, Chuck Swindoll, Alistair Begg, and one other well-known pastor. And uh, so there was a Preach the Word conference filled with a bunch of pastors. And one of the questions that came to the panel was, what do you do in, in preparation for the following week after Sunday? And Chuck Smith said, well, on Sunday night, I read the text for the following week and read a couple of versions. I begin to pray and meditate on the word. And Swindoll said, I take Sunday night off. And then on Monday morning, I pick it back up again, and I get back into the text and start praying. They got to Alistair Begg, and Alistair Begg said, well, each Sunday night, I quit the ministry. He said, then I wake up on Monday morning and decide to give it one more week. And I'll tell you what, there was like a big sigh that came from pastors in that group. Uh, It brought levity, but there was a reality there. There's a battle, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen? Amen. And we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. John MacArthur says, anyone who has been in the ministry long enough has shared in that heartbreaking experience that is not necessarily a reflection of one's own ministry. However, it is comforting to note that even two of the greatest leaders in the, the world has ever seen, Paul, Jesus and Paul, had those who failed them. Judas betrayed the Lord. Peter denied him three times. Paul had all these people bail on him That's not necessarily a reflection on you. Do you know there's people in the Christian church today whose mentors and disciplers who led them to Christ are not walking with the Lord right now? That is heartbreaking. The person who led you to Christ is now gone south. You're like, what in the world's going on with this? Well, I think that's part of how the enemy works and we need to be praying for each other. Look at verse 15. He says, greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha, who is probably a female, and the church which is in her house. So you have Demas, someone who bailed on the work. I pray that's not you, but there is a way back. You have Nympha, probably a female here. There's a stream of manuscripts that have it as Nymphas, which is masculine, but the church that met in her house is probably the Laodicean church or the church of Hierapolis. And greetings go to her, wonderful woman of God. I'll just say this to you. If you've opened up your home for a home Bible study, 
If, you, if a small group meets in your home and you have that gift of hospitality, God bless you. Do you know that some of the strongest bonds in the Christian church and some of the deepest lessons that are taught happen in home Bible studies? Are you in a home Bible study? If you're not, can I encourage you to get into one? Get, get with some other believers because you're going to be encouraged. Wow, it's just such great memories of home Bible studies at my own home. And when this letter is read among you, 16, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. This, uh, these regions are all together, as we talked about in the intro. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Don't know much about that. And say to Archippus, he's the 10th one in our list and the final one, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. NIV says, tell Archippus, See to it that you complete the work that you have received in the Lord. Paul said to Timothy, you be sober in all things, endure hardships, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Let me say it to you, finish strong. It doesn't matter what happens midway during the race, right? You could fall down midway, but finish strong, fulfill your ministry, whatever it is. Stay true. Don't give up because the Lord will give you what you need. And then Paul says, finally, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. And just so you all know, and you can begin to kind of just prepare your hearts for this, we are going to move to the book of Ruth on Sunday mornings. And uh, if you would be praying for that, that's where we're going to go next. Pastor Chris will be teaching us next Sunday, and then we'll, we'll move into the book of Ruth. But um, Colossians has been awesome, huh? Another great book of the Bible that we've been able to go through. We're going to prepare our hearts for communion now, so you'd all bow your hearts. Father, we are grateful for this uh, mighty letter to the Colossian believers. So many rich depths in it. Thinking back to the rich Christ Christology that's here about Christ, his deity, his being the sustainer and head of the church and uh, the creator and sustainer of this world. We think about just so many incredible lessons about not being captivated by man-made philosophy. Chapter three about practical lessons about love and putting on the new man. Just so many good things, Lord. And as we reflect on the book, we want to be changed because those truths have been uh, driven into our hearts and souls, Lord. As we come to your table and we remember your pierced body and your shed blood, uh, we come with the attitude of gratitude, Lord. But if we're not right, if in some manner of these 10 people we addressed, we need to make some amends. We need to do some business with you. Maybe there's a prodigal here that needs to come home. Maybe there's an Onesimus. Maybe there's an Archippus. Maybe there's someone who's just barely hanging on. Lord, I pray that they would come home. And I pray for those who are not Christians, if you're not a Christian with your head and heart bowed, Trust in Jesus Christ. His death on the cross. Say, Lord, I believe you died for me. Pray it right now. I believe you died on that cross for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I repent of my sin. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for a new start, a new heart. I want to be born again, Lord. I want to follow you as my Lord and my Savior. I want to be used in my lifetime, Lord, for you. Oh, Father, touch that person who's confessing you for the first time, that they might be welcome at your table. And remember all you did at the cross. And for this precious church, Lord, as they come to your table, may you bless them. 
May you strengthen them. May you encourage them and refresh them. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Well, indeed, believers are better together. You know, we're called to koinonia. We're called to unity. And there's a beauty in our unity. And it sends a message. Actually, Jesus prayed that our unity would show that the Father sent the Son. And it would be a witness to a very fractured and broken world. And I know the church is a challenging place because sometimes we don't feel like our needs are being met or maybe we don't feel as connected as we should be. Can I challenge you to maybe take it upon yourself to get more connected to a local body? If you're not connected right now, take some steps, do some things on your own to serve, to get into a Bible study, to avail yourself to what that church offers and maybe even if something that they don't have that you can help start. That's when we're better together, when we're all using our gifts to glorify the head of the body, who is Jesus. Well, if you'd like to get ahead of the new series coming up in the book of Esther, for a financial gift of $30 or more to Walk in Truth, you can get a copy of the entire series, and you can find out all the information at walkintruth.com. When you go to the website, you can find out how to be a monthly partner or give a one-time gift. And folks, we mentioned this because Radio Time is not free, and we want to expand this ministry. If you've been impacted by Walk in Truth, if you feel like it's been beneficial to your walk, and you'd like to have other believers and other unchurched folks and other non-Christians hear the truth of the Word of God the way you are, then please consider a gift today. Please keep us in prayer. We deeply appreciate your prayers. Ask the Lord to bless, and we're very appreciative of you. And when we begin tomorrow in the book of Esther, we look forward to meeting you there. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.